and welcome to the Lost World Minute, the Midwife Minute podcast reviewing 997 sequel of Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 64 of the Lost World. Dave, we're starting to see some uh, Jurassic Park 25th anniversary products coming out. Oh yeah, here we are. A couple of weeks ago, the uh, a Jurassic Park coin uh, design has come out. Now this was posted on uh, one new site I'm looking at here on the uh, 1st of November, but... I think it would be a week ago, uh, like late October, um, um, Astrid from uh, Jurassic Park, the group, and I think it's Jurassic Collectibles? Jurassic Park Collectibles. Yeah, the Jurassic Collect... No, the Jurassic Collection, I think. Yes, the Jurassic Collection. Um, she was sort of talking about it in one of the groups through PM, and um, they're, they're a little bit dearer. I know, I think the Australian conversion was $17. I think they're about $15... US um, for this minted Jurassic Park 25th anniversary coin, which is uh, the front's got the silver Jurassic Park 25th anniversary logo with a uh, ring of stars around it. Not 100% sure why the stars are there, but um, on the back you've got a sort of an image of a mosquito in Hammond's cane, again all silver. Um, and our scientists have done. Uh, I can't even remember the quote now. <laughs> <laughs> The quote from the first film, anyway, where our science have done things uh, which have never been before done or yeah. something something along those lines. But Our scientists have made living biological attractions so astounding it would capture the attention of the entire planet. That one? Yeah, <laughs> <They're> pretty close. <laughs> um, I've seen this movie too many times, man. Yeah, yep. So the, the coins are coming out. They're about $15. They're only... Um, Limited to 5,000 pieces, which is why the price is probably a bit higher than your normal collector coins. Yeah. Um, I'd say the price normally, if it wasn't a collectible, would have been between $10 or somewhere around there. This is a lot more. Yeah, a lot more considering it's just a silver coin. Well, I was just going to say, um, actually, the, the website I'm looking at here says they're listed on the various, um, well, they average around $10, so it's a little bit lower. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit lower than what I first thought, but... Um, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, which for a limited 5,000-piece coin, it's sort of, that's not too bad, so... No, that's not bad at all, actually. Um, so jump on that, it would be a good, nice little, nice little thing to display in your collection. Is that an icon? Yeah, an icon. Um, can, can I borrow that? I'll be right back, baby, I promise. The other thing that we've seen released, or it's not actually released yet, we've seen the artwork for the front cover, is um, an adaption of Jurassic Park for uh, the Little Golden Book, which mm-hmm. is something that definitely dominated a lot of my early childhood. <laughs> oh, yeah, mine too. And I just a 24-page uh, book that's about to come out, and it's going to be $5, so that's oh, going nice. to be... That's going to be fantastic. And, of course, I the art. Yeah, I'll of course. Yeah. yeah, the artwork on the front, the, uh, the scene with Tim and Lex in the tree patting the mm-hmm. brachiosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, that... I wonder if they'll at all downplay some of the more intense parts of the movie. Yeah, I wonder how that's all going to go. There's the, um, it's not the novelization. I think it's the, the Jurassic Park book that come with the tapes. Um, that cuts like cuts Robert Muldoon's death out completely. It's sort of just an abbreviated story mm. um, of the film. Um, 
It might be the Jurassic Park storybook. I can't recall. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't... I, I wonder... It's only 24 pages, so... Obviously, Grant digging up dinosaurs, arrival to the island, the Brachiosaur <laughs> scene, um, maybe Mr. DNA, and the park itself, and then they might just have, because because of a computer issue or something, we have uh, the kids stranded with Grant and just cut the the whole T-Rex breakout sequence out of it. At all. Um, yeah. And just sort of have them sort of all meet again at the visitor centre and get on the helicopter and leave. Because I don't, the gal, I don't know if the Gal Mimas thing would be in there. Um, yeah, I'd imagine so as well. But I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to see some of the T Rex stuff, but I can't imagine that they would, um, like, have Gennaro being eaten off the toilet. But I could definitely imagine them having like the T Rex break uh, walking out of the pen. That's a very iconic image. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. The one, <laughs> the one thing, and I suppose. It's not. It's not going to happen. Um, but if they done one for the Lost World, <laughs> how would you convey that dark, lot darker film into a kid's storybook? <laughs> uh, really, especially when I mean, I think of a little uh, golden book as I don't know the puppy following the little girl home. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it having uh, Burke's death. Where I, I I have this image and it's captioned. I can't remember where I got it from, but it's just captioned, Bones Crunching Screaming Stops. I'm like, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be fun anyway. We should see something of that in the new year as well. Um, yeah. There's one other thing here that I didn't scroll down enough to have a look at. There's also a, uh, a deluxe junior novelization on the way, um, which unlike yeah. the original is a hardcover book. Um, yeah. It's due out for February next year. Um, Ooh, I have to pick that up. Happy birthday to me. Yeah, it is a reissue of the original Junior novelization, but it does include some new full color scenes. So, like most novelizations, that middle middle section will have some photos from the uh, the film in it. I love the front cover. It's got the Jurassic Park logo, but with the added 25th anniversary banner to it. Cool. Um, but it's also got all sort of like the fossils, the dinosaur bones, T Rex head and bones in red and black, um, ah. which sort of ties into a lot of the, uh, like the stationery at the time with Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I remember getting yeah. a lot of notebooks that had that sort of stuff around <laughs> the borders and the front cover. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which was fantastic. Um, there's also some other smaller stuff too that we haven't seen pictures for but have been hinted at, which include uh, Owen's Guide to Survival, which ties into the Lego Jurassic World game. And, yeah, that sounds um, fun. And a... Uh, Another book that sort of um, you use stickers to tell the adventures. Um, mm. The survival guide. The survival guide's said to be 128 pages long, so um, that'll yeah, be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's made by Scholastic, which I know from my childhood from a lot of mm, books same. and that. Um, but same, the yeah. synopsis or the plot of it is uh, a guide from Owen's point of view, all about surviving Jurassic World and being a great <laughs> dino trainer. <laughs> His uh, funny guide features dinosaurs, characters, and locations from Lego Jurassic World and is narrated by Owen himself. If you're looking to survive and thrive in Lego Jurassic World, then this guide is for you. So pretty much sounds like a walkthrough guide for the Lego game. Yeah, yeah. A year or so. Yeah, definitely pick up. Yeah, a year or so after the game comes out. (laughs) Hey, still. 
Well, that's... Maybe they're trying to reinvigorate interest in the game. Yeah, and that's sort of one of the things with the game too. Like, when you're on the roof of the operations building, about to get chop it off, there's a like there's a box of um, well, there's an item up above that radio tower, and it's like, how the hell do you get up to that? <laughs> there's no there's no obvious way to do it. There's a lot of stuff stuff too that sort of you don't know how to get to stuff, reach stuff. Where to find stuff? There's a lot of amber you got to find to unlock special characters and that sort of stuff. So it'd be great. It'd be great just to have a physical copy of a walkthrough for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of lot of great stuff uh, starting to be coming out, starting to be revealed for the 25th, 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park. So fingers crossed, in the new year we see some other stuff come out as well. But all this looks good, and all this I think I'll be getting. Mm. Yeah, definitely. At least we came prepared. Well, since you prepared, destroyed all our equipment. About five years of work and 100 miles of electrified fence couldn't prepare the other island. Did you think that, what, a couple dozen Marlboro men would make a difference here? It's a looter mentality. All you care about is what you can take. You have no rights. An extinct animal that's brought back to life has no rights. It exists because we made it. We patented it. We own it. All right. Ready to get into 64? Sure. All right, let's do it. As we enter minute 64 of the Lost World, the two Tyrannosaurs had arrived back on the scene as Eddie desperately tried to keep pressure on the front of the RV so it wouldn't go over the cliff. As we start minute 64, the male Rex lifts the car's driver's seat clear and the female looks up and roars at him to see what he has in his mouth. Inside the M-Class, Eddie continues to struggle with the rifle, its end sight stuck in some netting in the floor. At 64 minutes and 9 seconds, he starts kicking in the air, trying to kick the nose of the Tyrannosaur to get it away. But it's in vain. The male comes down and grabs Eddie by the knee and lifts him free of the car. The male tosses Eddie and now his torso is in its jaws. The female leans across from the other side and grabs him by the legs and in one motion they pull, tearing Eddie in two. At 64 minutes and 17 seconds the female pulls back, taking her foot off the front of the M-Class, which frees it and it rushes forward. At 64 minutes and 20 seconds, we cut back to the team hanging on the rope as they look up and see the trailer rushing towards them. We get a blur of lab equipment, tables, chairs, the trailer's interior as it falls around them. The team scream, but burst out through the front windscreen, free of the vehicle. The RV falls down towards the rocks and the ocean below. At 64 minutes and 28 seconds, the trailer hits the rocks and explodes. Moments later, still attached by the winch cable, Eddie's M-Class topples over the cliff and down to the wreckage, setting off a secondary explosion, which launches debris up past our heroes as they hang from the rope. At 64 minutes and 40 seconds, breathing heavily, the team look up as rain hits their face, knowing they have a climb ahead of them. At 64 minutes and 47 seconds, we cut back up to the top of the cliff, as Sarah emerges over the side, pulling on the rope. She looks up, alerted by someone's presence, and hesitates for a moment, before we see a hand appear, and she reaches out and grabs it, as Roland Tembo helps her to her feet. Beside them, another hunter helps Nick, and then Ian, up over the cliff's edge. And this ends minute 64 of The Lost World. So straight off minute 63, we get the male sort of ripping the driver's seat out of the M-Class and the airbag going off. And so the female roars at the male mm-hmm. across the top of the M-Class as he throws the seat clear. And it's just that, that familiar female Rex roar. Yep. 
which is good. We haven't really heard it since uh, the whole hide earlier where they announced they're on their way <laughs> while they're searching for the infant. But we see here too, Eddie's sort of struggling to get the gun free of the netting in the interior, mm-hmm. which um, I bet he's regretting using that netting <laughs> throughout the car. Um, oh, he regrets it all right, I'm sure. Yeah, it's sort Especially of... Especially when his spine is ripped in two. <laughs> and then we get a shot of him kicking at the T-Rex. I'm like, really? Kicking at the T-Rex? But then again, of course, that's his downfall. Well, you're sort of... You're putting up a fight, which is going to make it want to come and get you even more. You'd think, but we're going to play a couple of uh, snippets interviews here, thanks to the guys over at Jurassic Cast Podcast, uh, when they done the interview of Richard Schiff. That crew was the absolute best I've worked with before or since. You know, everyone, uh, Stan Winston and, and the puppet and all the puppet actors that that did the dinosaur in the rain inside on stage. Very dangerous. I think each one weighed many times, like nine tons each, and they were. You know, it was like people go. You know, it was it hard acting scared with the T Rexes, and it was like no. There were nine tons of machine coming at me, you know, when the T-Rex takes the door off the Mercedes, he actually, the T-Rex is actually taking the door off the Mercedes, you know, it's obviously, it's obviously, you know, uh, prepared for that, but, um, but the, the grip of the jaw is taking the door, which is a real door, out, uh, you know, in its mouth and spitting it out. And it's coming at me, and I'm kicking at it with my legs. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a puppeteer slips, and or you can't see the screen in the rain with the rain coming down. And they comes your leg. Yeah, damage could happen. So, uh, uh, but Stan Winston was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, man, brilliant artist um, with what he did. And everyone, Janusz Kaminski, the DP, you could tell... Um, you know, just by the way, studied the monitor and studied the lights and the beauty of the lighting and and, and uh, all up and down the prop guys with the guns. Everybody was, uh, you know, top notch. And I remember uh, trying to get Spielberg to let me stay in the Jeep uh, as long as I could. So I, I stayed there kicking at the, at the uh, T-Rexes. Um, and at some point, the T-Rex actually picks up, in real life, uh, me by the leg and begins to swing me around. And they did, you know, they slowed the frames out, down, so they did it in slow motion, so it seemed like real motion. And I wanted to do that, and Stephen, even, even had, he had the stunt guy in there for the dangerous part prior to that moment. And I looked at it on screen, and I went, no, i got to get in there. I can't. Our stunt guy's a lovely guy, but i I got to get in there because you can see my face. And he, and he wasn't quite pulling that part of it off. <clears throat> so he let me do that. And then I started kicking at the heads of these T-Rexes. And then Stan Winston came over and go, do me a favor. Kick this part. If you kick this part, their teeth will come out. So you can only kick this part. So I had to kick a particular part of the head. Um, and then right at the point where the jaw came around my legs and it cut, and then the stunt guy went in, he wouldn't let me do that because he said, no, you could break your back. You cannot allow that. Um, and then the stunt guy got in, and they actually lifted him up by one leg, 
and very slowly swung them back and forth. And then everything after that, which is just a couple of seconds, uh, the T-Rex has flipped, flipped me up and then split me in half. So <laughs> See, I remember you should have just, you should have just kicked them in the jaw and knocked all their teeth out and then they would, wouldn't have been able to pull you in half. Well, yeah, that was the alternative ending. If, if Stephen really loved me that much, he would have gone in that direction. That's the delete um, scene, is it, how you survived? Uh, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I was, I, I, I remember David Kep told me early on, I'd worked with David before in another movie, and so we, we knew we, we were friends, actually, and, um, uh, we were talking one day, and, and I don't know if I was talking about the characters, stupid thing, and he goes, listen, I got a note on my desk from an eight-year-old fan who said, just get to the dinosaur, um, uh, and so this movie clearly had much, many more dinosaur uh, uh, scenes and much more action than the first one did. Also, because the technology had advanced that much in those few years, so they could afford to do that much more. So it was, it was great to see all those dinosaurs. You know, all, I remember being up on a on a rocky top, on a crag on top of a mountain. And Stephen kept wanting me to get to the edge of things, and I, I'm scared of heights. So I always used to compromise how far to the edge I would. Vanessa would just be walking, like right on the ledge, like, you know, eight year olds do, 10 year olds do. And I was like, I'm not going, I can't go to the edge because you got it just for the shine. I know. And then the scene where I, I go, uh, you know, on the bus before I get eaten, and I'm saving the guys over the edge of the cliff, there was a shot. Of, of, of following me into the bus and he wanted me to go right to the end and there was a 40-foot drop in on the stage where those where they were hanging out in the trailer that was over the edge yeah and he, he was the camera's following me he wanted to go right to the edge so that when the camera passed me you would see the drop and i was like I, it was only a limit how close i could get to the edge he kept uh, pushing me to go further, but the uh, I remember how beautiful the vista was up on top of this mountain, and then when I saw it in 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 the film, and they filled it in with all these beautiful I forget which kinds of dinosaurs they were, the fast ones. Um, I wasn't a dinosaur freak when I was a kid, and they just ran across the open field. It was gorgeous. It was just beautiful. So the the work that Stan Winston did and Stephen did on that in that, in that regard was just exceptional. It was fun at the time, and was uh, and uh, I have yeah I have uh, very very fond memories. I expected because I made such a, a huge artistic sacrifice to die in that movie when the director said he wanted to keep me alive. That in the back of my mind I thought, well, Stephen will be so grateful that this unselfish actor um, contributed to that choice. That he'll put me in every movie he makes from here on in. That didn't quite happen. So I'm still waiting for the, uh, you know, the karmic payback of being such a generous person. Yeah. It was, it was just, I mean, speaking about your on-screen death, it was just such a horrific on-screen death, and especially for a film that was, you know, that kids were going to see. You know, I remember showing my kids, they're four and six now, but a few years ago we watched The Lost World, and I and I was just sitting there when that scene came up, and I was just like, hmm, maybe this is a little bit too much for kids. But, you know, kids were going to see that movie. 
I saw it when I was eight. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I well, two two things about that. The uh, first, my my kids uh, still haven't seen it because and they're all, they're growing up. I mean, just about and uh, you know, they first of all freak out kind of. They find it odd whenever they see me in anything, but to see me die is not something that they enjoy. So they still haven't seen it. Rex just fed, so he won't stalk us for food. Just fed? I assume you're talking about Eddie. You might show a little respect. The man saved our lives by giving his. And his troubles are over. Sort of talks mm-hmm. about here, especially with the kicking, working with Stan Winston, Stan sort of coming up to him and saying, don't kick it here. Or you have to kick it in this certain spot. Um, if you kick it here, the teeth will fall out. And just stuff like that. Like Even though the animatronics here are doing this to the car, there's still fairly vulnerable spots on them. Um yeah, and it's it's the same thing here too. He also says that he he needed to be in the car for this stuff because you see him kicking at the um, animal. Spielberg wanted his stunt double to be in there to do it, but Richard sort of mm-hmm. pushed to say, "No, I need to do it because you see my face. You can't have this scene happen without seeing Eddie's face at all." And sort of the desperation on his side of trying to save himself. And yeah, we sort of mentioned before too how the whole scene was uh, filmed a slow frame rate, so at uh, could be sped up later on to mm-hmm. look more realistic. But uh, Eddie kicks the male again, but uh, this time um, it snaps onto Eddie's knee or his leg catching him, and uh, the male pulls up and pulls Eddie out of the car and tosses him. <laughs> Which, bye bye Eddie. It, it would have been it would have been hard too, sort of the way it pulled him out that he didn't get stuck under the steering wheel. But I suppose because the seat's already been ripped out, there's a lot larger opening here for mm-hmm. uh, the trainer sort of pull Eddie out. But um, pulls him out, gives him a bit of a flip, and goes from holding onto his leg to having Eddie's whole torso in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And um, the female reaches in and grabs Eddie's legs and <laughs> make a wish, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh, the end. Eddie Carr, we will miss you. Yeah. Also, uh, been affectionately become known as Lady in the Tramp, Jurassic <laughs> Well, apart from sort of Burke later, which we don't actually see, um, I know I know there's a lot of a lot of fan love out there for Zara's death of just being wow. Um, mm-hmm. I, I reckon this is up there with some of the more brutal, mainly I suppose because you can actually see it. Yeah, plus that kind of ripping sound that they use, <laughs> you know. I'm glad I'm glad they didn't continue to screaming while he's in the male's mouth. They could have. That might have pushed the PG rating up a bit higher, though. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because he, he'd still be alive when they start to mm-hmm. eat him. <laughs> Which makes it just even even darker. Well, the thing you got to remember is you are alive when they stop to eat you. <laughs> oh, that's where I'll start to go with that, but I'm thinking, now it's Raptors, not Rexes, but... It, 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 <laughs> it, um, oh, I'll say it anyway. Yeah, yeah, it, it suits you, it suits you, but... um. That's the uh, that's the end of Eddie Carr. Richard Schiff is not to be seen on again. Um, oh. And um, we mentioned too in the previous minute how here you can clearly see the female's foot on the front of the M class, where uh, in the San- pre San Diego script, Eddie stopped gun gun the engine, mm-hmm. and the, the uh, her foot was what was stopping the car and the trailer from going over the cliff. After the um, the male sort of had his teeth and mouth burnt by the spinning tires, and the car was dropped again, but um, as soon as Eddie's pulled in half, the female removes the foot from the front of it and 
off it goes. <laughs> there's no there's no resistance here whatsoever, which just goes to show sort of how much weight was pulling on the from from the trailer's end. But mm-hmm. considering they had or well, he had it back up on top of the cliff, you'd think it'd be another slow sort of go. But no, nah, scene's over. We need to move on. So we cut back down to the team as they look up, and the uh, trailer starts to rush down towards them, which that. You'd only want to say, okay, I'm just going to let go and <laughs> hope I survive the fall. <laughs> because you're not, when that thing's sort of coming over the cliff at you, in realistic sense, you know you're not going to survive it. But even in the movie, sort of, it's a lot of things need to go right here <laughs> for you to survive. Even in the scripts, it's sort of described, and it's sort of, it works better on paper than what we see here, but they actually describe pieces of lab equipment or kitchen stuff sort of actually touching him and hitting him on the way past as the trailer goes down it's not it's not as easy as the film shows it but um no just physically i mean how did it the front of the front half of the trailer would have had to flip completely in uh uh, in a 90 degree angle to have properly have for them to have yeah done that yeah, yep. The, the, like we've seen, we've seen the trailer lift into the air, or the front of the trailer lift into the air when the wheels mm-hmm. went over the the first time. But it, just the momentum, and you don't, you only really see it with the M class being pulled away from the Tyrannosaurs. But the momentum for it just to completely stand up straight, like the Titanic about to go down, and then yeah. and then drop. Plus, you got the rope sort of sliding across the broken windshield. Even even the extra rope for the trail to stand up like that would have pulled them in, like it, it would have shortened how much rope they'll or how far they'll hang out of the trailer. But anyway, it, it, this this is how they done it, and this is how it went in the film. <laughs> we could nitpick mm-hmm. all night, but um, they sort of look, and you get that real sort of shaky shaky cam look as the trailers fall down past them. Everyone's screaming and yelling. And you get... Yeah, I think that's 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 not that's done pretty commonly in Hollywood. I think that's done to kind of emphasize the um, how rattling the explosion is, but I don't know. It just comes across as cheesy to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, the camera's sort of shaking. It's sort of because all this is CG, obviously, so it's sort mm-hmm. of hiding the fact that it's a CG thing falling past them. In a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, you see you've got that um, you got Malcolm sort of with Spielberg, and Spielberg's telling him. Um, you're going to have the whole trailer. It's like being in a lift or an escalator. Mm-hmm. Um, just have all this stuff fall past you. And <laughs> it's funny, like Ian's or Malk, uh, Jeff Goldblum sort of looking boggle-eyed at <laughs> each way, sort of acting as if he's got stuff falling, falling down past him, but you don't actually see that on film. Um, yeah. But they come come rushing out of the front of the trailer, the, the front windscreen, and um, we see the trailers fall past them down... They start to twist a bit and groan and uh, explode on the rocks below. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the M-Class, of course, it being pulled over, comes flying down past them as well, still hooked to the cable, and yep. creates a larger explosion. Which, <laughs> which, um, I don't know, I thought he threw the gas can out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Knowing knowing what we do now, sort of knowing that the trailers were gas-driven, sort of, I understand the explosion a lot more now. Uh they would have had the big fuel tanks, like the bus size fuel tanks on it, um, mm-hmm. which was a lot of petroleum to go up, and of course the car adding to the explosion. One thing I can't give it though is the uh, the nice little 
gag of debris floating up. The wheel was mm-hmm. fine, or the, the spring and a couple of things flying up and hitting the cliff around the survivors was yeah, fine. Yeah, I, 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 that's fine. It's an explosion below them. You're going to have debris fly out. But just having the tyre and some other things just sort of rotate up and just sort of hang beside them and then drop away again, it just... <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> again, oh, it's that whole comedic thing again of just... It's a darker film, but we need to have these moments of levity. Mm-hmm. Um, like the whole free cheeseburgers thing. You, you, <laughs> you're in a very dangerous situation, but you're going to joke around like that. And then again at this time, we've just seen Eddie pulled in half... The team's hanging on a rope off the cliff that we've already seen them once slide down and not be able to hold on to. And you're going to sit here and have the front wheel of the trailer come flying up and, <laughs> look, look, I'm, I'm still alive. Oh, no, I'm falling down again. At least it didn't include the kitchen sink. Well, yeah. In the... Uh, in that the... would have been everything <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. In the, um, in the Lego Jurassic World game, of course... Uh, when the trailer rolls, there's a pig in there, and there's um there is some other debris. Like there's a there's a chicken leg and some other Lego stuff that flies up as well, which just takes the joke <laughs> even further. <laughs> um, but then we get this nice shot here, or it's it's pretty much the same shot once the trailers fall down of the survivors hanging on the hanging on the rope as the rain sort of falling down, hitting their faces, mm-hmm. and um then we cut up to the cliff's edge, and puddles and mud. And uh, Sarah's sort of hand comes over the the side of the cliff, uh, or over the cliff's edge, holding the rope. And um, she sort of looks up as her hand reaches down. And uh, Mm -hmm. we cut back out to a wide shot above the cliff's edge and rolls. Because he takes a bit and then, yeah. Yeah. That's Ajay. That's that's definitely Ajay. It's his pack. Okay. His rifle that's being held right there. Yep. Yep. But we've got um, Rollins down on one knee, sort of helping her up, using uh, his rifle as a... um, as a prop to help him sort of kneel there and pull Sarah up, and RJ sort of helps out as well. And then Kelly goes running from the background up and hugs her dad. Yeah, yep. They must have picked her up or found her at some point on their way to this site. And Yeah, it's something we can sort of bring up in the next minute. Yeah. Although we can sort of talk about it now, because it sort of cuts pretty closely from that into them at the ruined camp. Mm-hmm. How in the in the novel uh, in the pre San Diego script, when the um when they're putting the baby in the explorer and it's making all the noise and Eddie's sort of arguing, uh, at that point Malcolm's arguing with Sarah about taking it back to the trailer. Roland and that hear the commotion up there and asks Roland asks is, uh, either Dieter or Ludlow if we've got anyone up on the ridge and he says no. So at that point they know that not only there's someone else on the island but there's something happening up on that ridge that they mm-hmm. need to go and investigate. And then, of course, they'd go up there, they'd see, obviously, the car marks, the, tr- the tire marks from the car, and follow that, which would go past the high hide. Um, they'd see... Well, they'd have to see the ankle rope there, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, at that point, Kelly would have called down to them. But anyway, that would have happened, and then they would have ended up on the scene. And what we actually get is um, Kelly and... Uh, Dr. Judson arrive, which is a character we don't have in the film, arrive on scene and help Sarah and that up. And then they sort of get up and collapse to the ground, thinking, phew, that's over, and then start hearing the um, men sort of yell, yelling and shouting and the flashlights sort of mm-hmm. shining through the jungle and realise that they're about to be discovered by the hunters. Um, 
whereas here, Nick's sort of done the, the classic jail escape, eluding the hounds by going through the stream, carrying the baby to where the M-Class was parked. So unless they sort of looked around and found Malcolm or Sarah's footprints, which got them to that point where the car was, um, and then they followed that. It's just something that's not really explained in the film of how... No, but Aj is really meant to be a, um expert tracker, which I think it was helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of meant to be implied. There's a lot of use of a lot of use of implication in this movie because so much ex, uh, exposition was left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen we've seen them sort of around the the Triceratops cage and the lock. Roland seems the sort of the cut padlock, and they know that someone else is on the island. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we leave InGen until we uh, and cut to the, the um, trailer attack. But it's just that's that's what I implied it to be anyway. That they've sort of found the footprints of people around the cages, mm-hmm. so their point of ingress and where they left. I don't know how yeah. that how that'd go with once can or everything happens in the camp and hunters are running everywhere. But um, I'm sure if you went out far enough. Well, even Nick ran past the baby and got the baby, so they knew the baby was gone and probably could have started from there and just followed the stream until they found where the car was parked. Mm-hmm. I think right. what really has to beg the question here, though, is um, what were the hunting hunters doing while uh, the T-Rex were there? Because the T-Rex didn't leave that uh, soon after the tr- uh, they showed up. Yeah. Yep. I'd... I'd, I'd sort of maybe head cannot think that it, it's taken them a, maybe half an hour to climb the rope to the top of the cliff. Um, maybe. And it's not, yeah. it's not as instant as it seems in the film um, because there is that issue. <laughs> the Rex, yeah. has, Rex has disappeared for a short amount of time, come back when they heard possibly heard the car revving and that attracted them back. Um, they've eaten now, uh, Eddie and sort of gone back, obviously, to get the baby, which would be between the trailers and the hunters. Mm-hmm. And then being able to escape without, or leave without the hunters noticing. Maybe the hunters did notice them and had to wait for them to leave, or or all these flashlights on shoulders shining around at this uh, camp area wasn't going to attract them back again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just junior novelizations, scripts, there's just no, no explanation. No. So... In a way, I mean, with this with this movie, it's almost like putting together a puzzle. Yeah. Because you have to go to so many different sources. It's almost like a Star Wars movie in that respect, where you have to go to so many different sources to get the whole picture. You know. Mm. Yeah, it gets worse when you start having one production stop and another team come in and take over, or scripts being rewritten, uh, um, having more than one writer on a script, and all that sort of stuff. It just it leads to a leads to a bit of a mess sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, but luckily since the internet come on, fans of or dedicated fans and fans have been able to put stuff together, find out the the most plausible reasons or um, how something may have happened. So, but then there's some stuff like uh, dead crew on SS Venture that just <laughs> can't you can't explain it. <laughs> no, but we'll get there. Yeah, um, but this wasn't the end of the trailers. Um, they had two for filming like the full trailers that were built by Fleetwood. Um, mm-hmm. The second was used for mainly the exterior shots, which were on Hawaii. 
which I'm pretty sure it's the only Hawaii shot of the trailer there, so that's a lot of money to ship it there just to show it going up the valley. It now resides in the uh, Universal Studios backlot tour, uh, parked mm-hmm. up with some of the other vehicles back there, the Snagger, um, a couple of the mock-up Jeeps and the M-Class, all sort of back there in a little Jurassic exhibit, or Lost World exhibit with some uh, engine crates and leftover stuff, which I'd love to visit one day. Um, Oh, definitely. I, someone did uh, not break in, but I think they went in there after hours or while no one was looking and actually got some images inside the trailer. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah, and sort of it's all been pretty much gutted. Like same with the other one. It's all all the monitors and radio equipment, all that sort of stuff's been removed. Yeah, yeah. there was pretty much so that nobody could go in there and just steal shit, you know? Yeah, yep. And even, too, like, if they got computer monitors, for instance, they can reuse that on other movies or sell it off or that sort of thing. But uh, the one that was used for the interior shots and the Patrick's Point stuff uh, was sold off mm-hmm. to someone out in the Californian desert. Uh, yep. Location not to be known. Interesting, he's he's sort of collects a lot of other movie props as well, and uh, he has the original Jurassic Park raptor cage out there. And a mannequin, which I'm guessing was a stand-in sort of for the raptor inside the cage during that mm-hmm. sequence in Jurassic Park. But uh, there it sat, uh, out in the middle of the desert and the mm-hmm. elements until about March of 2014 when it was put up on eBay, auctioned off. Um, the listing, of course, is long gone, but just looking at some sort of news articles about it, it seemed to have got about 80 bids and sold for uh, about $15,000, which is... Uh, or ten thousand pounds um, for the UK or the French, French for the English listeners, but the winning bidder bidder was Frank, uh, a Frenchman, who's online a bit, um, and he teamed up with the Jurassic Park Motor Pool to uh, to go and get it and bring it back to mm-hmm. LA. Um, yeah, and it started a great little series on the uh, YouTube channel hosted by the aficionado, which is. Uh, Another Jurassic fan, um, he had a Jeep, I think he sold it, but he sort of looks at a lot of movie cars and that. So you can either check out, I think it's Jurassic Park RV Restoration on YouTube, or even the Aficionado on YouTube should get you to it. But it's currently up to 14 videos released, varying in length from 5 minutes to an hour, um, of the team and Frank uh, just rebuilding and trying to get the RV back to its former glory which sadly is uh, a long way past <laughs> where it used to be. Unfortunately, uh, stuff like the skylights in the trailer leaked. Again, movie movie props not built to last. <laughs> um, mm. Caused a lot of water damage. The front, front section of the trailer, when Fleetwood built it, they were instructed to have the large openings in the roof so the camera equipment could be lowered in. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of stuff, that wasn't covered up at all, so... There's been a lot of water damage to the trailer. Um, of course, being out in the desert, the rats have got to it as well, and oh, yeah. they've been all through it. The, one of the sort of more humorous things coming out of some of these later videos of uh, doing work on it is just how much rat poop is through the whole thing. <laughs> where they've built nests, they've actually chewed holes um, mm-hmm. in, into cabinets where the radio equipment was, where we've seen where Malcolm was sort of radioing for the boat. A lot of those cabinet doors have got big holes in the back of them where the rats chewed through the wood to actually get into it. So it, it wasn't in it wasn't in the best shape, but uh, they got it going. They um, hooked it up. They drove it back. Even that in itself was interesting, or 
frustrating for him because of uh, overheating issues. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate, of course. Yeah, yeah. But uh, three years on since the first video released, they're making progress. They sort of it's 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 spent most of that time in a uh, sort of like a RV workshop mechanic where they sort of do painting and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had some issues there, but now it's finally had the roof sealed properly, which has uh, meant they can get it out of there and get it to a better location in Huntington Beach where fans can now go and um, take some photos with it, which is fantastic if you're in the area. <laughs> I'd love love to be able to go over there and have a look, but um, just uh, get onto the Jurassic RV restoration uh, Facebook page if you want to Pam the guys to uh, organise a time to go down. They've got a little donation tin there as well, but go down and see it in the flesh in real life and get some photos with it. I'd love to. Oh, yeah. I'd love... I'd love to be able to go, but of course it's all the way across the country for me. I have no money. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and to go cross country, it'd probably cost just as much as me to fly over there from Australia. <laughs> I mm-hmm. Return airfares is about four thousand local local currency, which would be about twenty eight hundred <laughs> your money. So I, I, I want to travel overseas, but I think Hawaii is my first go to if I do leave the country. I, I really want to get to Hawaii and see some of the sites, but um, California, the Redwoods, and Huntington Beach is the second location where I'd really love to go. <laughs> but, yeah, go check out the YouTube channel. Um, we've sort of held off talking about the restoration product project um, with the RV because I sort of wanted to save it until we got to here where it sort of met its end in the film, and I can't wait now that we can actually talk about what's going on with it in the uh, <laughs> up, up front in the news segments each week when... Uh, new things happen so um, oh they've also got the the Jurassic no they've got the Lost World arcade game in the trailer as well <laughs> so you can get in there and yeah, play, a play a bit of that we um we did have it here at one of the gaming arcades but it went a few years ago and I haven't been able to play it since but it's a fun little Jurassic arcade game so something else to do while you're there that's it that's the trailer sequence done started back in minute 55 and now here we are nine minutes later uh, one of the larger set pieces in the film, and um, one still exciting. Mm-hmm. As we said, as we said last week, just the score. I love the score that plays over the whole thing, um, and it's a fan- fantastic piece of film. Love it. But, uh, anything else on sixty four you want to bring up before we get heavy for the day? It's been a long one. Yeah, I think we're good. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. Email feedback to the Lost World Minutes at gmail.com, Facebook The Lost World Minutes, Twitter at The Lost World Minutes, and Instagram The Lost World Minutes. Easy to remember. Yeah, yep, yeah, very easy to All remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.